0: Hello and welcome to The Jackass, the Swansea City podcast. I'm Githyll Awelen and tonight we've got a full house because with me we have Steve Carroll and Matt Baroku. How are you boys? <laughs> <laughs> the
1: silence, I think. I think the silence speaks volumes. <laughs> that gives you
0: listeners a preview of what's to come. Uh, it's not going to be the cheeriest of podcasts. We've got two games to look back at. Uh, one win and one defeat. Um, so you'd think, really, that it should be a kind of 50-50 podcast and, um, you know, they're good and bad. But um, You'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think after anybody who's um, watched the match against Stoke on Tuesday night will know that this is going to be predominantly rant-based. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll be going through that. We'll be discussing where we are with uh, the Russell Martin project um, and the season as a whole. And then we'll look ahead to uh, the game against Bristol City on Sunday, because if there's anything that can really cheer everybody up, it's a one o'clock Sunday kickoff. Um, <laughs> Matt, I know you've been raring to go, so I'll let you off the leash. Come on, let it rip. Swans against Stoke, how bad was it?
1: Um Right, i got like a proper... I'm going to save the main bulk of what I want to say for the Russell Martin project part that we're going to do a little bit later. But from the game last night, I don't think anyone can have watched that game and said, um, like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Luton game and how it divided opinion. Some thought it was really good. Some thought it was really shit. There's nobody who watched that from a Swansea perspective last night and thought it was anything other than diabolical from the first moment to the last. Uh, forget about what Russell Martin said post-match and any excuses he threw out there it was bollocks it was terrible i was ashamed last night and also apologies to anyone who follows me on twitter who thought i may have actually lost my head last i probably did to be honest with you thanks for your concerns i'm actually fine um but yeah i think last night it was just like it snapped it snapped inside me i um from the first kick yet though and I know Steve will reiterate this, we didn't want to chase, we didn't want to battle, we didn't move for each other. We were almost like tapping the ball away if it got close to us because we didn't want to fight. Uh, we can take tiredness so far. But what I saw was 11, maybe not 11, but eight at least houses on the pitch. Um, there's no other way of saying it. We absolutely bottled that before a ball was kicked.
0: I mean, Matt's right, isn't he, Steve? When I looked at that, line-up before kicking off and you saw, you know, Fulton, Smith, Grimes, Downs and Cham all in the side. Um There, there was, and, and you know, Wolf playing at left wing back, only one strike up front. It, it, it didn't inspire anybody at home watching it i can't imagine it inspired anybody in the away end and it obviously didn't inspire the players either because like matt said they just
2: never turned up i think this is the thing now isn't it i mean we've there's been criticisms of previous selections and playing players out of position and and stuff like that i think to a point there's been a little bit of leeway because you know we've been short in some positions and stuff like that but i think last night was a little bit of a tipping point because of the blackburn game there was a you know, sort of a change in tack where we went up far more attacking and it felt like we reverted the type yesterday and you know it's, it's the things like playing players out of position that's what does mean. i mean fulton seems to be playing further forward last night and they think that cory smith has played there previously and you know it, it doesn't suit either of them and i think everybody thought that and that wolf wasn't really playing in that position where he should be playing in he's playing more towards the left and you're thinking like, what are we actually doing? And, I mean, we've seen the likes of Latta Bovier playing as a wing-back previously, we? and that hasn't been great. And then Downs was shunted from uh, centre midfield into playing as a, a centre-back when there's been, you know, there's other options to play there. And it's just very uninspiring. And I'm at the point now where I think there is options in most of those positions. All right, granted, there was the issue of, you know, the, the left wing-back position yesterday because obviously Manning was banned and Beater isn't fit enough to start yet. But, I mean... Why is he making these decisions? You know, it was very uninspiring. Like when I saw the team, I thought, what's he doing? And then, when all, when we obviously, we all watched the game, and this, the performance was so bad. Like, I'm really struggling to think of any positives from it. Like, we got battered by a side that had been on poor form, and they're only a couple of places above us. Yeah, you would have sworn, no, sorry, you'd have sworn that they were, like, pushing at the top, and we were a side at the bottom. You know, it's not like we were spanked by anyone that good. But it could have been worse. I mean, we were appalling, weren't we? Stoke Stoke have um,
0: won just once, I think, since the start of October at home. And that was against Peterborough, who I think everybody agrees are the worst away team in the the championship this season. They've picked up just four points on the road and lost 12. Um, So, I mean, we can agree that, you know, results against Peterborough don't count. Uh, when you're playing at home. So if we take Peter out the equation. Stoke had not won a league game at home. Since the start of October. And they turned up last night. And won 3-0. And the thing is Matt. 3-0 actually flatters us.
1: Oh, it
0: yeah. does not begin to describe. How how Stoke just made us look ridiculous. I thought it looked like. A bunch of hangover guys having a kick about before um a, on a sunday a, a fight, morning a, yeah. before five fight a before five-a-side game just just mm-hmm. messing about almost all the like little lazy flicks and stuff and the, the lack of focus and the lack of understanding between all the players it just did not look like a, a, a cohesive team in any way shape or form and it, it's just you know for the first half uh, i mean stoke just couldn't find that finishing touch they got they got into good positions they you know were very skillful they played the ball well um they 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 just couldn't quite execute that final ball and then of course within the first what was it two or three minutes of the second half they were um they were a goal up but but it had been coming hadn't it matt and it, it was just a shock that it had taken them so long to actually break the deadlock
1: yeah it was you know, sticking with the theme of hungover players playing on a, you know, Sunday afternoon before five-a-side, you know, Olivier and Cham could have stood there with a cigarette in his mouth the first half. It just, the the, the attitude of the players was disgraceful. It was, I, I we've been beaten by Stork most times. It's infamous that we only win there every 20 years. Um, and we had that last year. Uh, but... It's normally Booty versus the Beast. And it's normally the Beast that comes out on top. Last night, Booty came out on top. And I've never said that. And Stoke be on the receiving end of it. Stoke gave us a football in masterclass last night against Swansea City. It just doesn't happen. They passed us off the park. They pressed us. They wanted it more. They had the hunger, the desire. They run the lines that we wouldn't run. And it was everything we held ourselves in high regard for. Was in was was in uh, red and white last night. It was it was a shambles from start it's, to finish. Matt,
0: would you go as far as saying that Stoke, the way Stoke played last night is the way that we would have we would want the Swans to play, really? Because they had sixty percent possession, um, which yeah. I think we'll get on to discuss uh, in a while. They were skillful. They um, their passing was crisp. It was sharp. It was and you know it was purposeful. Um, they were creative. And they got you know good shots away and scored three goals. I mean that's that is kind of what we want from from our team, isn't
1: it? And again, this is something I'll bring up a bit later on in in the piece about Russell Martin. But it's also something we haven't done um, maybe once, once maybe we've done this season. They were creating chances. Now we've been quite prolific, thanks to Patterson and Perot early season. Which I will say as well, we've relied a lot on Wildies from Paterson and Perot. How many goals have we scored this season who have been fantastic, well-worked team goals? Off the top of my head, I can think of one, and it was Bidwells against Cardiff. And apart from that, I'm really struggling to put together, perhaps there are more, perhaps you can give me one or two more, but of a season that we've over halfway through now, Swansea City, and we're talking about going back to total football, and we're not doing anything... Anything like the sort of goals we were seeing under Graham Potter and under Martinez and a lot of different eras, different players. I get it, but we're not playing. Stoke were playing last night was is the sort of football which is still a fantasy to this squad and this team because we don't do that even when we're on it. And we win games. We win games because we take the odd chance that we create. Blackburn being the absolute prime example of that, but there have been many others. We discussed before we started recording, Preston. it's They weren't glorious affairs. They weren't games where we thought, do you know what, we're knocking on the door here. We've really started back keepers at a worldie for them. It's not happened. We've not been having those sorts of games. So what Stoke have done, yeah, I agree, it's what we want to see from the Swans, but it's not something that we've shown that we can do. It's We've not been creating chances. The personnel goes so far for me, you can look at the players and go, oh, you know, we need better players, we need more technical players well, this is the squad, we've got six or seven players in that starting eleven, when fit who can play football, and bear in mind Russell Martin has brought in a lot of players as well but, we're looking at a team now, who seem unable to pass the ball forward without looking first to see if there's an easier one behind them, it's It's shithousery. I I can't think of any other way to describe it. We turn around from the opposition's goal. One of the things I thought was hilarious about the Blackburn game, which we'll discuss in a little bit, is we played all our exciting football in our box. That was when we were trying to take people on, trying to nutmeg the opposition, when they were trying to score. That was the only time we were doing it. And again, the other end of the pitch, we were looking to play it safe. It's bonkers. But yeah, Stoke were, were, were excellent. And the fact that it was 3-0, as you said a couple of moons ago now, because I've been talking for a while, um, absolutely flattered us. It was a game that probably should have finished, let's be kind, I'd say if that finished 5-0-6, I think that would have been a fair reflection of the way the game went. They should have been three up at half-time. Um, they should have been two up within about five or six minutes. I'm i I, I, would
0: say, I would say that it, it was like watching a team... Um, several divisions below Stoke take on Stoke but if there was a team there that were several divisions below them they would have tried a bit harder than than, than the Swans did I mean Steve Russell Martin in his post-match interview um, did kind of refer to the referee Um, the, the ref had one big decision to make in the game and that was to um, send off Ryan Bennett um, when it was already 1-0 um, and award the penalty to, to Stoke. Um, I mean, Russell Martin wasn't happy about it. Does, does he have any kind of right to be disappointed at it? And I I feel bad actually referring to it because it, it was immaterial, really. I mean, we can we can joke that that was- Not a quote to Russell Martin. But you know, that, <laughs> this is the thing. Russell Martin said that that was a big kind of moment in the game. I would argue it wasn't. I would argue that as soon as Stoke took the lead, I kind of lost all hope that the Swans could get anything out of it. I, I think I the didn't. big
1: moment of the game for me was when the ref started it, and after <laughs> that was it was all downhill from there. I mean, but but
0: I mean, from my point of view, Steve, I I didn't think the penalty was a big moment or the red card because the game was already lost by that point. But do we have? I mean, it's the third red card in what four, five games. Mm. Um, do we have any kind of? justification to feel aggrieved by it at all and on that note do you think ryan Bennett will be a a big loss over the coming weeks
2: um i'd say the penalty's a little bit unlucky but it's tough to argue isn't it it's not i don't think it's a deliberate handball i think it's just sort of bounced up really isn't it and there's not really a lot you can do about that then and obviously there's handball on the line it is what it is you know what's coming um will Bennett be a loss i think it depends i mean look at the previous game with Blackburn when he came on he did well when we were defending our box but obviously he's not the quickest to say the least Um, not brilliant brilliant on the ball at times so I don't think it would be a a huge loss but depends who plays instead I mean if that means that Downs plays at the back instead of uh, him playing in midfield because we're we're deemed as a person short then maybe it will be a little bit of a loss so just depends but I mean I'm with you on the penalty I mean we, we were one down playing terribly I'm not really willing to make excuses of, of stuff like that when you've played that badly. I mean, it's, it's clutching us straws. Like, if we, it's nil-nil and it gets to the last minute and dodgy pen cost you the game, it's fair enough. To, and obviously, it's, it's pretty obvious what it's cost you, But you really can't complain if you play abysmally. You're one-nil down and then, you know, you end up giving away a penalty. I mean, you know, we you've got to look at yourselves. And if anyone thinks that that was the reason that we lost, then they're in serious denial about yesterday's performance. Because in general it was crap, and you can't uh, blame anything else on it. No,
0: you really can't. Um, it's I mean, by the time the penalty came along, the game was already lost because our only hope yesterday was that Stoke would keep kind of just struggling to find an, an end product the way they were in the first half. But as soon as they um, they took the lead, then, then that was it really. Um, thankfully, I missed the third um, Stoke goal. Um, because um, the Swans website crashed for about ten minutes, fifteen minutes in the second half, um, which was, um, I think, an act of mercy really by the club, um, putting fans out of their misery. Um, so for once, kind of the, the the failure of technology on Swans TV was um, was a real blessing. But I mean, uh, there was a bit of debate yesterday, Steve. Um, sorry, Matt, about where that st- where that stands among the kind of the really bad performances of not just this season, but kind of the last few seasons. Yes. Um, I, I, I I definitely think it's the worst performance of this season. I can't think of anything more inept um, and more insipid than what we witnessed at um, the Bet Three Six Five on um, on Tuesday night. I
1: I can't really think of a Steve what was Cooper the score to- when I wanted Cooper out and we lost to Millwall. It was his fourth Mill- defeat on the bounce.
0: Uh, no we we beat millwall didn't we to to uh, to end that losing run it was qpr i think that we QPR, lost qpr was it that fourth it was only 1-0 i mean that that that's all those games i think were pretty right you know, at least most of them i think maybe there was one there there was like a 3-0 but it was just
1: right they
0: were just really grim and and um uninspiring 1-0s for the most part i think in in that run um You know, it wasn't an emphatic 3-0, but they were bad. They were bad, it has to be said. They were really bad performances.
1: The thing is, um, I didn't think I'd be sitting here early February saying this on this podcast, and I'm loath to do so because anyone who's listened to this podcast over the last few years will know I was particularly vocal um, about Steve Cooper, and I wanted him gone, and I wanted us to go back to what we had uh, when Graham Potter was here and people wanted to turn up, win, lose or draw, we were exciting to watch, we were joy to be to support again, if it give us the Swansea we knew back. And I wanted that back and so what I was delighted when I heard that we were looking at Russell Martin because of what I heard about his time at MK Dons. And I didn't think I'd be sitting here saying this, but off the top of my head, that's as bad if not worse than anything we saw under Steve Cooper. Um, one of the most sorry displays in recent memory was the playoff final, of course. Now, I would say the performance last night was worse than the playoff final. And that oh, is easily. easily. And now that playoff final, I think what made it worse was that there was so much opportunity and so much pride and to, to go and just take something. Even though we knew Brentford were streets ahead of us we could have stolen that and we didn't turn up and that was a real disappointment last night was filled with anger because we we surrendered before a ball was kicked we shit out of every 60 40 that was in our favor we didn't go run to the loose balls we didn't do anything so yeah i i've got to be true and say if this was steve cooper i'd be spitting feathers and i am spitting feathers still I think that was that the, was discussed in last night. And any deflection or tactics from Russell Martin are, are poor, are really poor. I think at some point now he has to stick his hands up and apologise for his part to play in it. It it all feels a little bit. It all feels a little bit Paul Clementy to me now, where he's he's pointing at other things. He's pointing at the ref. He's pointing at the red card. He's pointing at players being tired. But he's left. Um, well, Kyle the- Joseph and, and 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 Burns on the bench. Sorry, and 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 these players who haven't had the minutes. So As you mentioned before we started recording, Jan Danda. Um, you know, I'm not saying these are necessarily the players you'd like to pick if everyone's fit. But we're in a sticky patch at the moment, and he knows these players are exhausted, and he's he's playing them out of position. He's playing these exhausted players, and then he's excusing it after the fact. I don't and think that's it's good enough. That's
0: the thing, isn't it, Steve? Because I, you know. Um, the, well, the game of East talk was Swansea's sixth in um of in two and a half weeks, which is a, a ridiculous you know, um, run of run of congestion congested fixtures, really. Uh, there are only two other clubs. Um, in the division with that kind of run, it's very unusual to play that that many games in such a short space of time. We also, of course, played a big chunk of Saturday's game with ten men, so that's obviously going to tire them. So you could make the argument that tiredness played its part, and they definitely look tired. But then, of course, like Matt said, the question turns then to to Russell Martin, his team selection. Um, he can't really blame tiredness when he's picked deliberately picked players he knows are are likely to be tired he's got players on the bench who haven't played much who who may not be as good as the the first teamers may not be anywhere near as good as the first teamers if everybody's fit but when the first teamers are running on fumes, surely he's got a job then to say do you know what we're just going to have to you know sacrifice them for this game and try something different um and and he's i think this is one of the things that's frustrating fans we're probably going to discuss this later on when we talk about where the project is at the moment but there is this kind of hesitancy from martin to change things when they are demonstrably not working and i think never has that been more evident than in the defeat to stoke
2: yeah i think that's fair i mean you know Grimes is a good example i mean he plays every minute of every game doesn't he i mean is it worth Taking him out of the firing line, for example, and giving him a rest, because I mean you can't expect everybody to be at their best in every game in such a relentless uh, and, schedule. And, and I thought, and I thought Grimes was
0: really poor against Stoke as well. He he really struggled. I barely noticed he was on the pitch for a the game, um, which is something you can never say about Matt Grimes. But he he just didn't didn't factor, and when he did, he always looked stretched and and really tired as well. He you know it, it's it's. Yeah, he's he's another player who, you know, when he when Matt Grimes has not has a rough day, you know things are bad. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. Carry on.
2: Well, no, I mean that's just the point I'm trying to make, isn't it? I mean it's it's not a surprise. I mean the guy is never subbed and he's never not started. So you know it's it's a relentless schedule this division. I mean it is worth sometimes just taking people out of the firing line. I mean not, Downs is another one who doesn't really get a rest, but obviously he, there wasn't enforced rest, wasn't there, because he ended up having a, the red card at QPR. So that meant he had to sit out the game at Hull, which in some ways might not be a bad thing, it's only one game, and, you know, like I said, every, now and again, everybody does need to be taken out of the firing line, but, you know, we've, we've got some players here, I mean, Burns has come in from Man City, I mean, we're going to get another Reese Williams here, where he just doesn't get picked, and all we're going to do is alienate a top team, who we may well then think, right, well, we're not lonely new anyone else in the future, because when we did before, you wasted our time, and didn't give our player a chance, so that's not exactly going to, you know, do us many favours, I don't think, so, you know, he's he's someone that maybe should have been coming in. I mean, obviously, no Fulton has had some more minutes recently than, you know, he's had all season, really, because he hasn't played much. So, at least he's had some sort of a chance, I suppose. Um, obviously, we've missed Patterson, haven't we? And he's, he didn't play last night. And I think we've seen how vital he is to us, if we're being honest. So, look, I think there does need to be more rotation, I would say. I mean, it's, it's probably a good thing that has had a bit of a rest because he's been largely anonymous recently because of a lack of service. So, the fact that he's, you know, been given a, a couple of games where he's been on the bench probably doesn't do any harm. But, you know, it's it's a hard slog in this, this division. And you just think that you do need to rotate more. And I think when Martin probably got it more wrong was the first few games after we came back from, you know, the break. And it did seem as if he barely made any changes at that point. And he should have had it in his mind that obviously, uh, you know, there's a hectic schedule to come and it is worth just making a couple of changes per game, really, just to try and freshen things up. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a situation where everyone's played, you know, in about five games in two weeks or something, and then everyone just looks shattered, and you get a bit of a, a stinker of a performance. But at the same time, I'm not willing to accept tiredness as much of an excuse for last night because, you know, that everyone was so poor, and there has been some rotation. So you, that would be just too much of a, an easy excuse for me, because it was just that bad, and you know, you sometimes just throw all your hands up and say, we've had a shocker, And that is exactly what happened last night. OK, so we've discussed Stoke. Let's go back in time to
0: last Saturday uh, when the Swans actually won the game. Um, uh, it was a 1-0 win against Blackburn, who are pushing for promotion to the Premier League. They've been really, really good this season um, and... Matt, let's let's discuss the game as a whole, we we were ahead quite early on in the game, um, two players combining, one who hasn't been involved for obvious reasons uh, over the last few weeks and that's Jamie Patterson crossing for Michael Oberfemi, a player who hasn't really been given too much of an opportunity this season, so those two combined to put us ahead and it kind of showed what we have been missing with uh, Jamie Patterson I think it's fair to say.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the willingness to try something with Patterson. He's not afraid to do it. It doesn't come off and he'll do it again and he might not come off again. And the third time it'll come off, but no one will remember the first two. And this is why I want to bang my head against a brick wall every time Corey Smith is played in that hall. Because it's bonkers. The man will not try anything. So Patterson's willingness to try... Um, and 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 look, we don't know the full details of what went on, and um, we can speculate what we've seen, what we've heard, people we know who may know a little bit more about the situation. But in terms of um, the situation we were in, nobody won. You know, let, let's let's not let's not mask up the, the the situation Patterson put us in, and let's not assume that we held the upper hand because we kept him here because the re- the results while he was out of the team were poor and the. Performances were poor. Perot dried up and looks low on confidence now. Um, but yes, um, he came back into the team and he provided that little bit of uh, ingenuity and a little bit of invention in the final third, which we've been sorely lacking. Um, and one of the players perhaps over the last few games who has impressed with his endeavour is Fermi. So I was delighted he got his uh, first goal at at the uh, swansea.com stadium i thought um it had been coming for him and uh after the uh, horror of the first half of the season here for him um it was nice to see now he he looks he looks more up for it so positives (laughs) that was a positive from that game definitely the first positive of this podcast (laughs) Uh, and and steve it
0: was it was a Quite a positive lineup as well. I think it took a lot of people by surprise. Um, you know, it, it, it was a much more attacking lineup than we have seen in recent weeks. We didn't have um, uh, Corey Smith playing as an attacking midfielder. We had Patterson in from the start, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, I think we had Pirou and um, Obafemi starting together, possibly for the first time. So it was a much more attacking lineup than than what we used to seeing. And um, do you think it, it made a difference in the end?
2: Well, um, I joked on Twitter that Kevin Keegan had taken the Swans Shop, so it was a big shock to me when I saw that team, and I probably wasn't the only one. Um, I mean, it, it's sort of hard to tell in general, in certainly since the second half, because obviously the game then changed. But, I mean, it was certainly a good thing to see a more positive side out there, but did we really create a great deal more in the first half? Probably not, if we're honest. So it was almost a bit like, because he changed it so much, I suppose it, it would need a few games of that type of side to, to build up a bit of a relationship I, I guess. But I mean it was it was certainly more encouraging to see that we were trying to, you know, make things happen more in terms of going forward because you know, we've all criticized it and we the like the Smith playing the attack in midfield just and you're looking and thinking where are the goals coming from but at least with the team that was picked on Saturday, you we weren't thinking that but Obviously, with the way that the game changed with the red card, then um, we did go a lot more cautious. But when you've got a lead, it, it is understandable, really. And I think we, you know, we, we've got to say in that sense we, we did do a good job. It's just if you're looking at it from more, we did, a, we did what,
1: finish the game without the recognised striker on the pitch, mind. <laughs> yeah. it
2: did, it which is which is
1: another issue I've got.
2: <laughs> but it did go mentally extreme the other way. I, I must have really? been probably a little bit too extreme. Um, so if we just looked desperate, I suppose, just to get a result. That's what the subs probably told us, didn't they? But, yeah. you know, we, we got one. And you'd have to say, I know Blackburn did miss chances, That I never had this feeling they were going to score. I don't know why. I think really? They could... No, honestly, because they kept... How many saves did our goalkeeper make? Uh, no, oh, yeah, I, don't get me wrong.
0: The, you know, um, Fisher didn't have to make too many saves, and that was because their
2: shooting was so bad. Yeah, I, I think it, that it, might, it, might be the reason why I thought maybe they wouldn't score. because I just it's thought it was going to be
1: one of those days for them, right? I mean, yeah. that's what yeah. felt yeah. like. Yeah, it might not like be the
2: fact that I thought we were doing brilliantly, but yeah, yeah. I, they, w- they were not asking us the type of questions. The amount of corners they had that were bloody awful, like right, was off the scale, and you think, well, they're not hurting us yet. It was, you know, it was quite, it was not that bad. They were pinning us in our half. It reminded me of what we've done in some games where we've literally been camped in the opposition's half, and then we haven't asked any questions, thinking, nah, we won't be scoring. And I have that feeling from Blackburn just because their finishing did let them down.
0: I thought Blackburn were really poor. I thought they were really, really bad. I mean, to have what was it the the stat that's been repeated everywhere? Blackburn had more than forty crosses. Mm-hmm. The Swans had one, and our one goal came from that one cross. I mean, that that's a fantastic stat. Um, but it it's it tells a story. Um. Because, I mean, the, the quality of their balls into the box, Blackburn, was, for the most part, really poor. And when it did fall to the right person, I mean, it, it was just, you know, they were so wasteful in their finishing. They had two, two basically open goals that they missed. Mm. Um, you know, and I guess this brings us back, Matt, to the question of how good were the Swans, really? Because it was a 1-0 win against a promotion-chasing team. But I'll be honest, cards on the table... I didn't think we played particularly well. Um, I thought, you know, great to see us take the one chance that we created. I mean, games in the championship have, I usually, you know, ones of fine margins and you need to have that quality to just, you know, take the points. And that's what we did. But that was the only thing we created in the entire game. Despite putting all those attacking players on at the same time, we didn't create anything else. I thought a lot of the time even in the first half when we had 11 men on the pitch we were pretty disjointed our passing wasn't what it usually is um we finished the game with 48% possession which is the lowest that we've we had had in the in, in the championship this <laughs> until season <that> t- <laughs> until Tuesday night when it was down to 40 mind I mean how can a Russell Martin team have 40% possession if you can't you know if a Russell Martin team if Russell Martin can't, can't get
1: guarantee pass- possession what well, can you guarantee yeah, it? Ex-
0: Pretty much, yeah. But I think I think it it was a bit of a I think the last two games have been a bit of an eye opener in terms of people saying, Oh, it's possession of possession stake. I think it's shown at least that we, we do need possession because if we don't have possession we have very little else. Um but yeah, I and, and I saw a lot of praise for the Swans' defensive effort against yeah. Blackburn. And there was some good defending there. And it, there was a lot of hard work. There's no doubt about it. They really put their bodies on the line. And it was a dogged um, uh, defence. But Blackburn had several brilliant chances. And on another day, they're winning that like 3-1. And that, that's, it, it was Blackburn's wastefulness more than our good defending, in my opinion that meant we held on to the three points. Um, that, you know, that's not, I, 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 I'm I usually one for, you know, that's quite positive, et cetera, but I can't pretend that I thought we played well against Blackburn. I thought we got lucky that one, the one opportunity we had went in. Um, that's a different kind of luck. But the other piece of luck is that Blackburn were pretty poor and didn't punish us for what was, in my opinion, quite a lacklustre display Uh, with the ball at the very least if not without the ball
1: Yeah, I mean 16,000 pissed up fans in the stadium wanted to see a Swans win and um, they got what they wanted and I think we all left happy and relieved um we got the win we didn't expect it we kind of thought blackburn were, were roller coastering their way uh through the division at the moment and they've made this huge surge the last uh, 10 games or so to to really you know break into that what looked like a written off top two um so credit to them for that and we thought God, oh, this is gonna be this could be hiding we haven't played well in a long time this is could be hiding so to win on paper, if you hadn't gone to the game and you hadn't read the match report and just saw the score, you thought, fair fuck, Swans, you've done really well there. And there were, there were positives. As we mentioned, you know, you've got Cabango and Bennett. This was a meat and drink game for them. I mean, like you say, over 40 crosses. I think I saw 45, 46 crosses, something like that. Um, it, it's extraordinary, but it's exactly the sort of thing that Bennett and Cabango will eat up all day long. They thought Cabango had a superb game. Others rightly mentioned Ben when he came in and um, and, and, and solidified it further. But yeah, even though we had, um, I think 70% perhaps of their chances were nullified by those two at the back, the 30% that they did manage to get through should have ended up in goals. So they should have still scored three, I think is fair. And I think we were... Uh, extremely fortunate, but I, I'm not going to rewrite them. I'm going to look back on my on my Twitter history. I didn't go around and slag the Swans off on Saturday night because I was relieved as anyone that we got the result. And I thought some of that play, um, I thought Wolf uh, when he had to go into that left wing back position after Manning went off. I thought he did very well. He brought the ball out superbly. He was skipping past players like they weren't there. I thought he's really growing into the role here, so I was happy with him. And I say the defense, Um, but yeah, let's let's not. It's <laughs> not, you know, fake. It. I mean, Blackburn missed some massive chances, um, and if they'd just taken half of them, I think they'd have still, they'd have still beaten us. So, um, no. And 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 the win was probably the most un Russell Martin like method of winning that you can imagine. We've we've won very ugly. There, it
0: was a you know. it was a performance that Steve Cooper would have been very proud oh, of. For sure,
1: I mean that was what we used to see. You know, is the sort of performance where you would, you you know, you you batten down the hatches, and I mean, to an extent, Cooper would perhaps hope that we would, you know, restrict the teams to fewer clear cut chances than we had. But even under Cooper, I mean, Steve will attest to this. We were extremely lucky, extremely lucky to get some of the results we did, or a lot of the results we did, because opposition were very. Uh, wasteful in front of goal under him as well and and when I saw Ben Brereton Diaz come on for Black Knight, there we go, we had a good shot at this now and he's going to come on and um, he's going to stick away the chances that the others, the others couldn't and um, nothing fell to him, he didn't get a sniff so I think credit to the defenders for doing exactly what they would have hoped to be able to do in those circumstances but look, let's not say that we you know, we've gone from a great performance against Blackburn to a shit one against Stoke. We haven't. We've gone from a back to the wall performance against Stoke to a we're fucking still on the coach outside the stadium performance against Stoke. It was, you know, we haven't gone, we haven't put in a five star display. We've had defenders throw their bodies in front of a goal bound effort against Blackburn. I'm appreciative of the commitment. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't a brilliant game. It wasn't a fantastic performance. We had one chance and we scored it. So, I mean, you know, we had to temper what we were leaving the stadium thinking was we've won. I didn't expect it. I'm delighted with the analysis of it, which was that performance was still not... We can't say, right, let's do that every week because we will lose 99 times out of 100 if we play that way every week. There's just no other yeah. way about it.
0: I mean, Steve, I, I, I thought um, we played better against Luton than we did against Blackburn. Um and I didn't think, you know, there were problems with the with the Luton performance, but I but I thought that was a much more complete performance than what we saw against um, Blackburn. If I'm being honest, I don't know if I'm if you would agree with me on that. But I, I I just don't I don't know. I I sat there watching and thought, Do you know what, this I I it's not right. And actually, had it not been, I think the red card in the second half sort of galvanised the 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 crowd and and kind of energized the crowd a bit and got them gave them something to rally against and, and get behind the team for you know it and immediately it? It, well it made it easier to support that kind of bus parking um a, approach um and it, it generated a bit of atmosphere around the stadium in, in that in the second half um and without that um i'm I'm pretty sure we would have taken the same approach if I'm being honest, of parking the bus because one of the things you will say this season is that the Swans, I think for the most part this season, when we have taken the lead, we haven't really known what to do with it, um, which is a bit surprising for a team that's meant to be a possession-based team. You, you'd think that we just control 80% of the ball and and see it out. But I get the impression that we're, whenever we take the lead, there's a bit of nervousness and we're not really as composed as we, as we should be. And I think we saw a bit of that against Blackburn where you think, we, we don't know whether to stick or twist, we don't really know whether we want to attack or, or protect what we've got and there's just this, yeah, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or what, but it, it they just didn't really seem to know which direction to take the game and they needed the red card almost just to confirm yes, we are sitting deep and we're going to just protect this lead with, with, with everything we've got.
2: We're probably not used to it either because obviously we haven't been leading in many games recently and if you probably look at the season, then you know we haven't had the lead that often when, when you think about it. I can't think of many games that we've been in the lead that we haven't ended up winning, really, because um, in most of the games that we haven't won, we we haven't been in front at all, quite a lot of them, we probably haven't scored. So, you know, I think as you say, if there's a bit of a perfect storm, I suppose, on Saturday, wasn't it? We, we got a goal, and I no one went into the game with much expectation. And then, obviously, would have been a late kickoff, people have probably gone to you know, down the pub to watch the sport that winds me up. Um, but it was probably a positive in that sense because everyone came in. Looked. People had had a few drinks, the atmosphere was up, and then the red card happens, and yeah, it does galvanise you a little bit. Um, and you know, the, with the crowd on side it, it probably did. You know, that's a lot of good. And obviously, as you say, we—it's pretty obvious when you've got ten men and you're hanging on against the side that are um, you know, towards the top of the division that you, you're inevitably going to look to just sit deep rather than to try and um, get a second. So I think it, in that sense it, it did work and everybody was probably happier with it than they would have been in normal circumstances. But I, I do see what you mean. I mean, the Luton game is quite a polarising game. I mean, Matt thought we were awful. I thought there was bits of it that were awful. But when I thought about it, we did actually create more chances in that game than we probably have done in a lot of other games. So it probably wasn't as bad as, as a certain game, certainly not as bad as Stoke, because nothing is. But... Um, yeah, It's a funny one. I think maybe we were all a bit more accepting in general against Blackburn as well because they are a better side. So, like, football can be funny in that sense sometimes because, you know, as I say, I mean, there's other occasions where Martin has picked teams and you're thinking, well, if a different manager was you, mainly the last one, he'd be taking pelters. But it's it's not always fair, I suppose, football is what I'm trying to say. I think, you know, what a what manager does, he'll get criticised for. But then to everybody else will maybe support it if someone else does it. So, it could be a funny game
0: at times. Um, let's move on then. We've discussed Stoke, we've discussed Blackburn. Let's discuss where we are in the league. Because I, I if you're reading social media at the moment, I think there is... Um,
1: uh, uh, the, pick,
0: stay off mine. Pick, stay <laughs> off my account. <laughs> stay stay away from Matt's Twitter account. You do not want to read what he's been posting over no. the last few days. Um, but there's definitely a quite reflective tone, I think, on, on social media following the Stoke um defeat. I think a lot of people looking longer term back beyond the the Stoke game. The Stoke game was a nightmare. I mean, I I describe it as a train crash, but Usually, the train has to leave the station for it to be involved in, the, in in a crash. I mean, the Swans were just parked on the platform and a steamer came charging into it and blew it to smithereens. Um, that's what we saw at Stoke. Um, but, I mean, that ignoring Stoke almost because that's an extreme, extreme case. It's by far the worst we've played this season. But there is this issue, isn't there, that there are mistakes being repeated time and time again. And a general... It's slow deterioration and it's not as if it's not that the swans are absolutely awful every game there are some positives in some games there are some games where you know there there are better periods of play and some other games where we' we're generally poor throughout but Matt, looking back over the entire season, I think it's fair to say that since that two one victory against Coventry,
1: mm.
0: I don't think the swans really and that was back at the start of November I think it's fair to say the swans haven't really hit those heights since then and we haven't seen the kind of complete performances that we saw back in october back in november the games against the likes of cardiff peterborough west brom coventry you know some of those teams were, well were, were, were and are absolutely abysmal but you know west brom were a, a, an automatic promotion chasing team back then Coventry had one of the best home records in the division you know we were getting good results against high-flying teams and playing really well as well but something's gone wrong since then and it's not continued to develop the way we would have hoped so where are the Swans now in terms of this season and in terms of the, the Russell Martin project as a whole
1: well, this this is kind of weird, isn't it? Because I think when we talked about this in the summer, or at the very end of the summer as it was, because he joined a couple of days before the season started, I think it was a wide acceptance that this season would be a season of transition. We never really talked about what that meant. And I think we all just thought, well, do you know what? In essence, what we're saying is, as long as we stay up this season, it's a good season. Um, but it, it, subtext is what we were looking at, is we were looking to say, Let's rip it up. Two years of Cooper, another thing that massively divided this fan base. Um, but we need to rip it up and start again. And I thought what we would see was a disastrous start to the season. It was a slow start. Don't get me wrong. It was a very slow start. Um, but we would see the building blocks come in. And what we had was we had the slow start. And when it we got that result at Bristol City, and, but when we got the you know, we started putting a couple of results together. Then, we 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 started flying out of the blocks, and then all of a sudden we are thinking, shit, I was expecting this to take six, seven months. Now we we we're flying, and and then the wheels come off the track, I'm sticking with your train analogy. Um, you know, it completely came off the tracks, and now we're in a crumpled heap somewhere, and I don't know how. We get back. Is it it that, so bad, much- is it that
0: bad? Are, are we in a crumpled heap? Because Wait, that's, that suggests that this is, you know, this is this is beyond repair almost, and this is going to be really, you know, this, this, you're basically
1: suggesting that it's a hopeless cause almost. No, because what I think we've got is. You mentioned the bigger picture, and and you and you're looking back to second um, of November was it the fourth of November? One of the two, uh, the Coventry game just before we played Bournemouth, and uh, we were talking about look, we get a result against Bournemouth, and we're we're, we're top six uh, potentially. Um, and then it, since that point, it's not been a case of, look, you know what, let's, let's you know, wash our hands of Stoke and move away. Because we've already discussed the Blackburn, we got the result, but the performance wasn't there. The bigger picture from me, Gitto, is that we're not learning any lessons. There's been no sign of progression in how we address our massive frailties. Let's just take a little thing here about our wing-back situation. Um, I would say you... Here's the perfect example. In fact, you didn't see the third goal for Stoke last night. The third goal for Stoke last night was... um, I can't remember his name. He cut in from the far right-hand wing and he he, he carried on unchallenged and he fired in what was an excellent shot from the corner of the box into the far side of Fisher's goal. It was a great goal. It It was an acute angle, but we have a massive weakness in behind our wing backs and it's been there for months and we don't do anything about it. Week in week out we create massive opportunities. I would, If I was the opposition manager I'd get the tactics board out and I'd draw two big circles run by the corner flags and I'd say there and there that's where we're going to hurt Swansea every game and every game it happens. How many times have teams fired the ball across the six yard box? And not had a tap in because they've just been wasteful. I mean, we could have conceded a hell of a lot more goals, but the reality is we've been lucky that teams haven't been very uh, um, prolific in taking their chances. But those holes in behind the defense on either side of your Bennett and cabangos is a glaring issue, and it's been there. it's been there well before Christmas, and we've mentioned it multiple times in this podcast. But it's, we're not doing anything about it. So that's one big issue, is this shape. I'm talking about this shape isn't working. He needs to address that now. It's it, it's every game we're risking throwing away a, a good performance because we're not addressing that. By the way, feel free to cut, interject, cut in, disagree, right. whatever, because that's just one part of it. Um, another part is attitude. I And I'm not talking about last night, last night was just absolute stinker, but I'm talking about and I'm talking about um, the sort of ambition when we get to the opposition area that we look for the easy option, we look to move it wide, we turn around when we've got a an opportunity and play it back inside, Perot must want to run headfirst into the goalpost and knock himself out, because every time we get the ball wide, we come back we move it around, we get the opposition to get their back four, they may as well stand there and and chat for five five minutes while we decide what we're going to do with the ball. So attitude when we get in the opposition box. We are so pathetic at trying things when we get there that it's a non-entity, and he's not addressed that. And the selection of Corey Smith in attacking midfield every week, that is a big problem because Mm. that is the epitome of the issues we're finding when it comes to creating chances. It
0: symbolises, I, I feel it symbolises a yeah. lot, Corey Smith, more than just, you know, Corey Smith as a player and, and the the role he's asked. The fact that he is time after time chosen to play in that position when it has been proven so many times not to work. That, I think, is quite um, symbolic, really, of, yeah. of uh, a major issue that we've had this season.
1: And it's a huge blind spot. Apart from the the, the wing-back position, it's a huge blind spot of Russell Martins that when Patterson was unavailable, he was his go-to guy. As one of my mates said, he'd rather Kyle Norton play there. And that is a valid argument because I think Kyle Norton would have done more going forward and he's not afraid to move the ball forward. Corey Smith, I mean, that is the most damning assessment of Corey Smith is that I'd rather Kyle Norton have played in that role than him. Another thing that upsets me and annoys me is this obsession over possession. And I, I take into account what you said earlier, is, is that our possession is all we've got. And I think that's what we need to we need to rip apart and analyse now. How great are we if we can pair over 64 65% possession and say that that's a sign of us being a great team? And we look at it and we've had two shots or two shots on target, because for me, it was possession with a purpose, that's what I was hoping for when Russell Martin came in it wasn't pass the ball around the back Barnsley being a key example of this um, we had well, we nearly broke the the, the EFL record, didn't we, uh, for passes in that game, but until Manning and Chan come on, and actually went more direct with the ball Barnsley were happy to sit there and watch us pass it between grimes and downs all, day, all game we weren't doing anything with it so, possession is great if you're going to try and use it against the opposition. Passing it around at the back, and passing it around in midfield, it doesn't do anything. And 65% possession is only good if that is tally, tallied up with 10 shots on target with it. Look at Blackburn, you know. Uh, sorry, not Blackburn, sorry, Stoke. Stoke had, what did you say it was? Uh, it was 62%. 60% possession. So, they had 60% possession, but I, they had chances. And they used the ball. And um, there was one moment last night. I was listening to the um the Stork commentator stream, and they said um, it, it actually came to um, oh god, what's his name? Swansea's favorite for Stork.
2: Klukas.
1: Klukas, thanks, Lucas. It came to Klucas who came off who'd come off the bench, and he took a touch and the guy who scored actually, I can't remember. He was the far the guy on the far right, he was a, a pest. He, uh, G- he, it was Brown, wasn't it? Um, Brown. That's G- it. Brown. That's him. He'd made a fantastic run. Guess where? In behind a fullback, Shakara. Uh, he got in behind the fullback and Klukas took a touch, took another touch, and then played it off to the side. And the commentators moaned and said, No, no, keep positive. Keep pushing the ball forward. And I thought, yes, absolutely. Cause Klukas there took the easy option. But the ball was on, and that we don't do that. And But Stoke last night, by and large, did do it, apart from that one occasion. And that stood out to me that they were bemoaning the one chance or the one time they didn't try the forward ball. Um, so, yeah, listen, I'm going to give Steve a go here because I could go on all night. But from my point of view, there are three or four massive things. When I say that we were a train crash, it's more an, an analysis of where we've been since early November, whereby um, we haven't addressed any of our most blatant issues and we just ignore them and roll the dice next game that somehow they would fix themselves. It is the definition of insanity to try the same thing over and over again and expect different results.
0: Steve, how much of this is down to Russell Martin? Because other people have have pointed to um, the fact that, you know, the transfer window didn't go as planned. We've got quite a thin squad um a couple of other excuses uh, offered up but bottom line is since that win away at coventry um the swans have won three league games they've drawn three league games and they've lost seven um that's not a good record how much blame does
2: russell martin take for that i think obviously you know the transfer window wasn't brilliant i mean in the end they did bring players in that men we weren't left overly short in in a particular position which was the main thing and obviously last night was a, a case of the left wing back issue but I mean there's certain lessons as Matt said they're not being learned players being played in silly positions and stuff like that and I I honestly think now we're at the point where he seems to think that is the way forward because you know, there is no need now to play Corey Smith or someone like that in an attacking position because we've got Unshang, we've got Patterson's come back and we've got Wolf so we're not short, so we really shouldn't be doing it, and the fact that we're still doing it now is starting to really wind me up. So, I think that's sort of the issue I'm at You you always want to see progress, And as Matt really said, we're not learning the lessons. That's what's alarming, and if the manager doesn't see it like that, then we're going to continue to suffer in certain ways, so I think that's what's concerning. I I think yesterday was the first time for me where I am looking at the manager now and thinking he's making mistakes that I'm not comfortable with. I'm, I'm nowhere near the point of saying I, I want to change or anything like that, but I am looking at him now more than I have been previously and thinking you need to wake up a bit and you need to make certain changes because, you know, this isn't good enough now. I think we were expecting a slow start to the season, but he said MK Donalds last year, they did improve quite a lot in the second part of the season, and that's sort of what I'm expecting. Maybe not drastic improvements, but certainly for us to, to play better, to be better on the ball and Create more chances, not be as easy to score against, and then ultimately that would lead to you'd expect more more points in the second half of the season than the first. And I can't say at the moment I'm overly confident that that's going to happen. So I think that's what the the frustration is. I think he certainly maybe needs to look himself in the mirror and um, you know maybe not make as many you know some of the decisions he's been making because they are contributing to why we're we're not picking up the results and ultimately why we're playing badly in a lot of games. Do you have any faith, that?
0: because this is what it comes down to, do you have faith in Martin to make those changes? Um, because, the, you know, the way we're all discussing this now, That that's what it comes down to is the ability to see when something is, is not working and find solutions for that. Do you have faith in Martin that he is going to do that over the coming games, even just between now and the end of the season?
2: Well, I think after last night, I have got some doubts. I think that's that's what's concerning. I still think he might. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? But I thought some of the decisions he was making previously were almost like a bit of a, a point of proof to the board. Look, you've got to give me a left wing back because I'm having to play Laffaudier there. You've got to give me a more attacking midfield player because I'm playing Smith there. You know, and they, in the end, they have done that. Maybe Noah Bean has not been fit yet, but I think when they, there has been some backing with it, to then still be playing players in certain positions, and the fact that the centre-half did come in as well, and and he hasn't had a look in yet, you know, it makes me think rather than him trying to prove a point, that is what he sees as his best options, and that's not something I agree with at all. And I would say the performances and results back that up, and the fact that he's still doing it then is is concerning. So, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? But I think yesterday is the first time I'm looking and thinking there are one or two doubts there in terms of, is he going to keep making the same mistakes? I think i think yesterday has i think it's been a bit of a watershed moment
0: i think a lot of people have sort of changed their kind of thinking because i don't know from my point of view you know i've i've been i've tried to be kind of pretty plain and and simple in my assessment of of martin throughout the season and i you know earlier on the season when there were you know uh, i think a couple of people were getting very excited about kind of um green shoots of recovery and the fact that we were getting, you know, monstrous amounts of possession even when we were losing. I was kind of not really getting too kind of carried away with that. And and likewise when then the swans were um kind of having a bit of a downer over the last few months. I I haven't been getting too too far down because I still I still see that there are kind of positives there, but I I just think I don't know that there, there is this thing as well that whenever people have been kind of uh, critical of um, the system, the approach, or anything like that, I think people have been very quick to kind of attack them um, and categorize anybody who kind of criticizes as as some some kind of like martin out um, uh, opponent or something like that. And in actual fact, you know, I think the people who are genuinely Martin out, are a tiny minority um, at this stage. I, I, I think there are very few fans out there who genuinely think we should get rid of, of Russell Martin. Um, but I think there are an awful lot of people who are starting to just get a little, get quite frustrated. I think um, and, and start to question the direction that we're going in. And I think the stoking was so bad. I think it's just prompted this bigger discussion really about about Martin, about how it's working at the moment. And um, there are a lot of kind of clichés that get get thrown about, sort of like possession of possession state, sake and, um, you know, sideways passing, etc. These kind of things get repeated, etc. But in the, uh, when you look past those clichés, there are some facts there that, you know, like you said, Matt, um, we do, you know, we spend an awful lot of energy trying to pass the ball out from the back, by which point the opposition is usually camped back and they're ready to ready yes. to defend against us um you know that things like that things like the 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 constant playing players out of position and there are some players who've been played out of position w- which have worked fantastically i mean norton's had a good season ryan manning uh, has been much better at left center back this season than he has been at left wing back for example but there are other examples which which definitely haven't worked, and yet he's persisted with them. You know these are issues that um, that that are that are becoming recurring themes in our season by now. Um, and I just, yeah, I think we could all i th- I, th- I just think it's left the the whole project feeling a bit stale at this stage. I think it needs a real freshness once again because, uh, you know, it's uh, the not just you know again looking beyond Stoke. I think just over the last few months, players have increasingly looked like they don't really have that conviction in what they're doing anymore. They don't really have that belief that the football they're playing is going to yield success.
1: Can I um, ask? Can I ask a question to you two then? Are for, you? Would they? Would you agree or would you disagree that maybe the players themselves are doubting? whether or not this style of play is the right way in don't the way that, they're playing at the moment
0: i mean you know we don't know we all we can go off is their body language and their behaviour but i think you know looking at recent games i think uh, it, i think it does look like there's a bit of frustration on their part that you know they they are following what the manager is asking them to do but it's not it's not yielding those kind of successes and they're doing a, they they have been doing a lot of things right i mean they're passing um, the passing game has been very good up until say the final third and then it just kind of stops in the final third and there's you know that it's just not quite clicking the way it was say back in October November when it really did look like we were building to something. I don't know how you feel about this Steve but if, from my point of view with the last few games it's just looked like the players um, are just struggling really to get it to click, and the, and and yeah, from my point from my point of view, it does look like perhaps the, more than anything, they they're just struggling to kind of get behind it, just because it's not yielding the the kind of performances and and results that we would have wanted. And it does look to me like there's a real frustration there. Well, it could
2: be that, couldn't it? I mean, I do wonder sometimes if you know, like. Obviously, we all want to see this style of football, I think. But at the same time, can you in, introduce it, you know, as extremely as we have been? Or know, maybe you need to, until you've got the players that you want for it. I'm not saying to go the opposite way and go completely direct, but maybe it's, there's a time to play out and there's a time maybe to not take as many risks, even if it's a case of trying to pass the ball forward in the case of if then you give the ball away. You're not giving the ball away in as much of a dangerous area type of thing. So I wonder if sometimes that's maybe what we should be doing. But I think it's pretty obvious the manager has told them that we're going to play this way. He's told them it from day one, and you know inevitably in the short term he will take pain for it. But some of these players, if we're being honest, particularly some of the defenders, I think are just not good enough to play this way. So then it's uncomfortable for them, and maybe we need to you know not take quite as many risks. That's that's how I'm looking at it. I'm not, I'm not saying completely go against it, but at the same time, there's definitely a time to, to do it and a time to not. I mean, I'll give you a good example now. I don't know if you remember the game last season where Liverpool played Man City and Man City ended up winning 4-1. And I remember at 1-1, Alisson made a mistake. He passed the ball out, got it in yeah. and he scored. And I remember five minutes later, a similar thing happened where alisson get got the ball. And I remember thinking, City oppressed New Year. Don't play it short because you're asking for trouble. Go for a more longer pass just yeah. because they're putting you under pressure at this stage of the game. And if you cock up your own concede again, you are done. He played it short, he gave it away, and they scored again, and that was the game over. And I just think sometimes, it, depending on what stage of the game it is, you need to maybe not take quite as many risks. And uh, just taking it from that point of view, really. And I think we're, we're not budging from it at all, are we?
0: I think I think this comes back to the core issue of that there's possession um by itself is is neither good nor bad you yeah. know you can have 80% possession and have a stinker uh, and have a have a pretty mediocre performance as we had against against Barnsley. Barnsley. Yeah. um you can you can also you know um have a minority of of possession, but play really, really well, you know, possession in itself doesn't mean good or bad, but there is a difference between good, good possession based football and bad possession based football. And I, I think that the dial has gone too far towards the bad possession football over the last few months. Um, you know, we, we discussed, I think before recording tonight, the fact that Swansea put so much energy into, um, playing out from the back but it doesn't stretch the opposition. The Luton game was quite telling for me because Luton started um, by pressing us quite high. And for the first five minutes, they caused us problems. But after that, we settled down. And actually, I think we saw in that game that our, our uh, defenders um, when they've got the ball at their feet, I actually think they're much better than, than a lot of people give them credit. I think Ben Cabango, for example, yeah. of course, there are a few misplaced passes, there are a few decisions which which aren't right, but generally speaking, I think he's been pretty good with the ball at his feet this season um, and I think he is good enough to play this system um, and, and, and I think that, that goes generally for our entire defence. I think generally we've played the ball very, very well. The problem is we we put all this effort into playing it out from the back and uh, well i'll go back to the luton game after that five first five minutes where luton um were were really putting us under pressure we managed to play the ball around them and we created a lot of space and we had a couple of openings and and it it looked exciting but then luton kind of worked out very quickly okay they found a way around our press let's go back to plan b let's park the bus Mm. and that's then a sign that, in my eyes, we've been figured out, uh, and we haven't had an answer. We haven't found an answer to those teams that have figured out how to play against us. That's that's again bad possession football for me when you um, have all the ball but don't know how to convert that into meaningful. Um, chances and don't know how to stretch the opposition because the whole point of possession football is that you stretch the opposition yeah. and pick holes. That's what Man City are so brilliant at.
1: Liver um, Liverpool, you know they- Liverpool uh, when they when they when they trounced the league, they would do uh, this. You know, people would say Liverpool fantastic possession team, but they would move the ball about and uh, through defensive midfield and bring people, up. and then a quick ball over the top for the for, for Salah or whatever, and bang, it's it's a goal out of nothing, and it's it's using the opposition, dragging them from left to right and and drawing them in and trying to get them to 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 press you and and to to, to try and get the ball off you. That would be the moment then where you go right now we strike, and that's the bit that we don't do. And I think there's there's many elements, and I keep hearing this going back to what you were saying a little bit earlier on both about this. We don't have the players to play the style that Russell Martin wants to play. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not 100 sure that the defenders exist at this level to play the way Russell Martin wants to play. We'd, ha- we'd have to have three of the best defenders in world football. I mean, we want our centre backs to be. Dominant in the air to, to repel the, the bins of the world. We want them to be mobile as hell because they've got to cover the wing backs who are up the pitch and, and stop the balls coming into the box. They've got to track runners. It it seems to me, and, and maybe I'm looking at this wrong way. It seems to me, first and foremost, the system isn't right. I don't like the system. I'm not a massive fan of the way we're playing in the shape we're playing. And I think we are creating our own problems. And we're not creating overloads when we're going forward. We're not getting two-on-ones where we can exploit and, and, and harm teams that way. We're very much a You know, you play left wing back, you play right wing back, you play in this position and we move the ball. The players don't really move into each other's positions. So they're very quite static and the ball moves left to right and right to left. So in that case, we can't hurt teams by overloading one area of the pitch. So then we don't, we then have to move the ball quickly into the spaces on those one on ones to hurt teams when they have dragged out of position. But we don't do that either. So what I'm seeing is that we're not very effective going forward at all. And at the back, we've got these two gaping holes, either side of the centre backs, which says, come and attack me. So for me, that is, I've said for a little while, but I'm getting more convinced, getting more conviction in it when I think it's too easy to blame personnel and say, oh, next season we'll have better players, next season it'll be fine. I think this goes beyond personnel. I think it goes about mentality. I think it goes about attitude, but also it goes about the system. And I think these three things would help tomorrow. And I think just leaving it as it is and thinking, oh, we'll have better players next season. It'll be fine. I don't know who could play the way we want to play because it is very demanding. Mm. Well let,
0: let's move on then because um, I think we all agree that the Swords could do with a break right now just to <laughs> give a, give us and the players a bit of a rest um, but it's not coming we have got a game coming up on, on Sunday uh, it's a short trip for uh, our visitors Bristol City crossing the Seven Bridge uh, coming down to the Liberty Stadium uh, and they are going to be uh, coming here on the back of a win if uh, the current scoreline uh, holds up. They're winning two-one at home against Reading at the moment. Um, Steve, this um, you know, it's it's kind of a derby against Bristol City, but it isn't. Um, is is this a good game for the Swans to be playing at the moment, or is there no such thing as a good game for the Swans right now?
2: It's hard to tell, isn't it? I think. Um who knows with the Swans, uh, that, that's the truth of it, I mean we're, we're fairly unpredictable I would say in terms of um, results at least, so I, I I really don't know, I don't think Bristol City are a great side, obviously they're bringing a lot of fans down here um, honestly it really is um, it's, it's hard to say, I mean I, I wouldn't want it's not a terrible one I guess I mean wouldn't want to play Fulham at the moment would you, I know obviously we've got them coming up in the next few weeks um, you know we'll see, I think the Sunday thing doesn't help, does it? I think, uh, you know, I don't think the crowd is going to be as good as it was for the Blackburn game, certainly in terms of noise anyway, but, you know, we're going to have to, um, yeah. But I can't say I feel overly optimistic at the moment, but this is the Swan, so you you, you don't know, dear, do we We have got a history of pulling rabbits out of the hat when you least expect it, so, you know, I, I wouldn't rule anything out. No, and in fact, Blackburn was a bit of
0: a rabbit in terms of the result. Anyway, um, Matt, in some ways, Black uh, B- Bristol City are kind of similar to us in the sense that they are um, trying to kind of go down a different direction. They've, they've invested quite a lot of faith in youth this season, um, but it's it's. Not really clicked entirely for them either. They've had spurts where it looks like it's it may be clicking. Uh, and then it's it's been followed up with some, you know, really crushing results. They lost six two to Fulham the other day, for example, and um prior to tonight's game, they'd they'd gone three games without a win. Um, I for Wasworth, I think Bristol City have exceeded my expectations. I thought they'd actually really struggle this season under Nigel Pearson um but it has been a bit of a stop start season and they're kind of in this position where i don't know if they really know where they're going yet is uh, uh, is this the start of something new and exciting or are they just still stuck in a bit of a in, in a bit of a rut so i think there are similarities between the two teams really i, I don't know if you see it the same way
1: yeah, just across the channel, there's, there's three blocks doing the same podcast. I think over there, <laughs> just asking the question of the long-term picture of Bristol City. But um, no, I think uh, it is very much um, it, you. You can see the similarities. Um, I, I actually don't necessarily uh, completely agree with what Steve said about the the, the fact that Bristol City might not be whether it's I can't actually don't even know if this is what you said Steve could think about it whether you said it was not actually an ideal thing because I think the the, the distraction of it being the the, the kind of derby that we one of the few we look forward to in that sense um, might be the welcome distraction it might be the exact kick up the ass that we need um, after uh, the performance we just saw I mean there's no excusing what a game like on Sunday I, I do think the atmosphere will suffer um, but, it, you know, it, it's Bristol City at home, I'm sure there's, there's, there'll be very little excuse for anything resembling the performance that we saw last night. And um, it, I think maybe if we had a, I don't know, like a Preston or someone at home, then you, you might see the sort of, you know, attempt, you know, decent start, decent first 10 minutes, or we didn't take that chance. And then, boo, nothingness again. Um But I'm not sure that the game will necessarily allow for that against... I hope not anyway. I hope it will be the sort of affair that will make us step up our game. I really hope it is. I mean, (laughs) Patterson and Corey Smith, I I hope the latter doesn't feature, to be honest with you. But they're both Bristol City legends. So from their point of view, they'll both want to get one over on their old club as well. Um, We do have that kind of um, ex-player thing going on. So... um, they, we, we mentioned a little earlier on before we started recording about, about Casey Palmer. Uh, he's not featuring much, but then we go, we got that situation. he would probably score <laughs> now on Sunday as well. So I kind of think that, um, and I, I, you know, what Bristol City's views on how their season are going is, is obviously a lot more of an a, a authentic viewpoint on than, than I could offer. But it, and you, I can kind of agree with you that it looks like our seasons are following, following similar paths. Um but as you say, you expected Bristol City to struggle. Um they've 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 clawed themselves up. I mean, we started the evening above them. Um, but if the result stays the same, they'll go above us into sixteenth. Um so we're there. We're there thereabouts in the lower reaches of mid-table. And um it it it's not going neither team are going to be doing anything at, uh, in May. But um Hopefully, this will be the, the sort of game which will is the perfect ex, uh, distraction for Russell Martin um, to get uh, last night out of the system.
0: Uh, Steve, what does he need to do or what would you like to see him do to help get that malaise out of the system? Because we've talked a lot about the kind of changes that need to happen um, long term. But, but what can be done in the short term that you think could have the biggest impact ahead of the Bristol City
2: game? play your best players in their best positions it is it shouldn't yes. be, be uh rocket science should it um you know play wolf behind the striker do the same with patterson um if well, manning will have to play wing back if beat is not fit play i did play burns play an actual center half in there move downs back into midfield just these things that you yeah. know should be fairly straightforward that i think most managers would do i think if you do that we will look like a more balanced and a better side and we'll probably be better at both ends of the pitch. So, you know, it's from my point of view, it should be quite straightforward in terms of what he he should do. Stop trying to overcomplicate things, play your players in positions that suit them and then see what happens from there. I think if he does that, we will see a better performance from us and hopefully that will lead to a better result. So, you know, I think I'm hoping that a severe lesson has been learned from, uh,
0: from last night, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, um, I mean, from Bristol City's point of view, um, I mean, they've had a couple of um, impressive youngsters. Um, Semenyo's really started hitting form recently. Uh, Masenglo in midfield has has been performing really well this season, although he's gone off with an injury against Reading. Um, Alex Scott, um, by all accounts, is... um, uh, has has done really well as attacking midfielder for them. And Andreas Veyman's having his best season for a number of seasons. So they've got a few players to look out for. Um, but, Matt, with the way things have been recently and, and particularly after Saturday night, can the Swans get the attitude right to, to combat uh, a team like Bristol City, do you think?
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned Saturday. You you, you, you talked about it earlier on about the surprise in the formation. I, we damn can't win can we I mean, I complain about the 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 lack of attacking intent uh, we saw it last night and we've seen it in in previous games as well we talked about looping a little earlier on where we said that um this may be before we started recording we said uh norton went off injured and corey smith come on corey smith moved into the hall that forced an Cham to come out of his central position and move wide it killed us in that game um and it was just completely unnecessary um, with the options we had on the bench and so um, I've lost my thread now um, sorry oh sorry yes I'm back with it uh, we, we went really attacking at home against Blackburn and I remember <laughs> I remember me and Steve talking during the game thinking he's almost gone we wanted four attacking options Steve mentioned there play Wolf in behind the striker and play um, Patterson in behind the striker and, and then if you've got um if you've got your likes of um Oberfemi and Perrault up front or you, if you have four options going forward and we could talk about Encham as an option as well but i'd prefer him to sit this one out to be honest with you um particularly after last night but I think he just i don't think he's got the engine at the moment anyway and he's been ineffective for quite some time um so I'd like to see rather than a score from two attacking options to five i'd rather it's just to find us a, a happy medium in there and and let's go with offering that extra attacking option and give one extra player up the pitch like steve said let's get wolf let's get wolf up the pitch because when he's got on the ball i think um, i think he can do something and he's growing uh, but he can. He's got to. He's got to play the players in the right position. It has to happen. And Steve mentioned it just now. And anything else is is again. It's a surrender before we start because it's forcing square pegs in round holes. And now there's no excuse in it. So start with the players in the right position, and then let's just give ourselves. A, let's not go gun ho, but let's give ourselves something going forward. Give ourselves one extra attacking option so that when we get, we've got more players in the final third that can receive the ball in in space and, and create chances which we're finding so difficult to do. Mm-hmm.
0: And on that note, I'm going to ask you both for a prediction. Uh, Matt, start with you. What's the scoreline going to be on Sunday?
1: Um, I think the scoreline is going to be 1-0 Swansea.
0: Oof, finishing with a bit of positivity. We like it. Steve. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a good game to come up after Tuesday. I really do. OK, Steve, do you share Matt's
2: positivity? I can't predict wins because we never win when, when I say that. So <laughs> I'm going to go for the terrible 0-0. I don't
0: think anybody sees this being a good game, do they? No, I mean, it'll, <laughs> no it'll be not. It'll be our seventh game in like three weeks. Um, Bristol games, games Bristol City are always low scoring and always, you know, pretty often pretty grim. Um, and I don't know the fact that it's a one PM kickoff on a Sunday. I mean, kickoff times don't get much worse than that, do they? Um, oh, it's going to be awful. <laughs> I think it's going to be a 1-0 win to Bristol City. I can't see how oh, we God. go from I can't see how we go from Tuesday night to Stoke to beating. Bristol City. Stranger things have happened, but I I just see a player like Semenyo, for example, and I just think, yeah, you could probably put him in that Stoke team and he'd fit in perfectly. And the way he plays, I could just see him full of confidence, just really, you know, punishing um, uh, any slackness we can have uh, um, in our passing at the back. So I'd love to end this... um, uh, this podcast on a rare positive but i'm sorry that's not what you signed up for <laughs> started listening
1: to this podcast for like
0: time. <laughs> it's got it's got yeah it's got it it would be so off brand if i was to finish this with well actually i think after slating the team for what a 90 minutes or whatever it's been i i actually think we're gonna really put in a good show against Bristol City and I think we're gonna Nils. see a Swansea way return it's gonna be four nil and uh, Corey Smith is going to get a hat trick. That's the way it's going to be. Um, it's it's not. It's not. Um, hopefully it'll be a win. I can't pretend I'm uh, that confident. But one thing I'm really hopeful for um, is that we'll have a bit more positivity on uh, the next podcast. So um, really sorry for getting you all down. This hasn't been the pick me up you were looking for, but hope you found it uh, entertaining, cathartic, less torturous than watching Stoke. Whatever it's been for you um hope you'll join us next time but until then thank you very much for listening